Evidence and Answers. A believer in Christ is called to follow God with all of one's heart. God calls us to a life of radical obedience to Him. Sometimes He calls us to do things that don't make sense to us or to perform tasks we don't like. However, when we obey Him, it is then that we see Him moving in our lives in significant ways. Throughout His life, God called Abraham to trust Him in radical ways. Often Abraham did not understand why, and at times God called him to do things that just didn't seem to make sense. However, Abraham learned what it meant to follow God, and that is why God used him in tremendous ways. You're listening to Evidence and Answers with your host, Pat Zucrin. Pat is an author and teacher in the area of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. Today, Pat presents the second part of his message from the life of Abraham in Genesis chapter 22 entitled, A Father and Son Sacrifice. This stirring story teaches us some powerful lessons about what it means to truly follow God with all of our heart. Let's join Pat now as he presents part two of this inspiring message. You know, the Abraham of three or four chapters ago would have argued with God. But now, decades later, after walking with God all these years, seeing God in action, God faithful to His Word, God could be trusted. God is a God of love. God never betrays His people, always seeks our very best. Abraham doesn't question now. He obeys Him, even in a command that doesn't seem to make any sense whatsoever. Now, the journey from Beersheba down here to Mount Moriah, present-day West Jerusalem, is a 50-mile journey. So it wasn't something where Abraham could say, all right, jump in a car, let's go. It says here in verse 3, So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac, and he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. The journey from Beersheba to Mount Moriah took several days, the text says. This is perhaps the longest journey of Abraham's life, not physically, but emotionally. And notice what the text says, it took several days. Imagine journeying with your son, carrying this incredible burden upon your heart for several days, knowing you have to kill your one and only son. It says after three days they could see the mountain. Probably took a few more days to actually get to the foot of the mountain. And as you look at the text, there's very little talking or chatter in the text. Probably very quiet around the campfires each night. And I'm sure Isaac would try to strike up a conversation with his dad but Abraham, holding back his emotion, could only say a few words before he needed to stop. And like a hammer pounding on his heart, the pain Abraham felt must have been absolutely immense. And the text says that they traveled there for days as he walked with Isaac. No father ever wants to bury their son. I've been at those funerals. I've been in the hospital rooms with parents. Probably the worst emotion and event that could happen in the life of any parent. But God calls us sometimes to obey Him, even in things that don't make sense. You know, following God is not always easy. 
It's not always a bed of roses. Things don't always fall into place. Sometimes he calls us to do things we don't possibly understand. But that's what it means to trust him and to walk with him. I was playing golf with my good friend Brian the other day. And, you know, Brian shared with me about how he came to know the Lord. He said, I went to church when I was a small little kid, but then as I grew up, of course, as most teenagers do, I walked away from God, you know, and I got married. And, you know, our marriage was tough financially. You know, my wife was a social worker. But then she changed jobs and got a job as a teacher in a school. But the hours were long. My hours, you know, working at the airport were long. It was hard for us to see each other. And kids came along and a lot more stress added. But in those early years of our children, she ended up in an affair with another staff member on the school. And it had gone on for quite some time until I finally found out. And it absolutely devastated me. And he said, I hated the woman and I wanted to divorce her. And not being a Christian at that time, he said, I knew that I had biblical grounds for divorce here for her unfaithfulness. But he said, you know what? I came back to God. At the worst time of my life, I came back to God. And I rededicated my life to Jesus Christ, accepted him as my Lord and Savior. And though we were living separately now, sharing our kids, he said, God spoke to my heart. And he said, Brian, love your wife. Restore this marriage. For her sake, for your sake, for the children. This is what I called you to do. Brian struggled, said, God, are you crazy? I hate that woman. Look at what she did to me. It's publicly humiliated me. Why do I want to go back to her? You know, she hates my guts. I hate her guts. I have biblical grounds for divorce. Why would I do this? But you know, following God means to obey him, even when things don't make sense, even if it's going to be difficult, like Abraham. So Brian finally said, all right, is this is what you call me to do. I'll give it a shot. And he did. Picked up the phone and called his wife. And she said, well, uh, you know, you know, I got the kids this weekend. Why are you calling me? He said, well, I don't, I don't want to talk about the kids. He said, I want to talk about you. I want to talk about us. He said, you know, it wasn't instant. It took years, years of hard work, years of going to counseling and sharing with the counselor all the embarrassing things about you her sharing embarrassing stuff about you working through all of that and then he came to love his wife again and she came to love him and their marriage was restored years later you know his son just graduated there from Iolani high school and it's a tremendous story of how god restored their marriage and the kids have a wonderful, wonderful story of how their dad came back and fought for the marriage and brought them back together. But you see, God would have never worked in that family's life had Brian not obeyed. And Brian said, eh, forget that, man. Do my own thing. I'm happier by myself. God would have never brought a miracle into the life of that family. And that's what we learned today. You know, a lot of people say, oh, God's not working in my life. You obeying him? Because if you take radical steps of obedience 
as Abraham did, as Brian did, you'll see God work in your life in wonderful, wonderful ways, in ways you cannot imagine. For some of you, what is that radical step of obedience? Maybe it's coming back to church. Maybe for some of you, it's tithing, giving to God's work for the first time. Maybe for some of us who only give one, two percent, God is saying, hey, give three, four percent. Maybe for some, it's breaking off a relationship you shouldn't be in, trusting that God will bring that right man or woman across your path. Maybe for some, like Brian, it's choosing to love your wife, choosing to love your husband again with all your heart and soul. What is that radical step of obedience God has called you to? Think about it. We each have one that we're avoiding. God calls us to obey because when you do, he's going to move in ways you can't possibly imagine. But it's only going to happen if you choose to obey. God can't honor a life of complete disobedience to him. Second, we learn radical obedience comes from learning to trust God. Abraham didn't become a guy that could obey God no matter what overnight. It came from walking with God's over decades and decades. And as he learned to trust God, he could learn that, hey, I can obey him in even greater ways with each passing year. Abraham learned as he trusted God, he learned about the character of God and the faithfulness of God and that God would never break his promise. And God always seeks our best. You know, the day finally arrived for Abraham when he looked over the horizon and he saw Mount Moriah. It says, on the third day, he lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. As Abraham gazed upon that mountain, it probably looked like the darkest, most foreboding tower in the entire land. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey, and I and the boy will go over there and worship and come to you again. That's an incredible statement of faith, isn't it? Abraham says, you guys stay here. Isaac and I are going to go, and we, he and I, will come back to you again. Abraham knew God had planned the future around Isaac, but God also wanted him to sacrifice Isaac. He was unable to reconcile the two. It didn't make any sense, but he obeyed anyway. This was a tremendous display of trust and faith in God, even when he did not understand why. It must have been like a knife piercing his heart when Abraham loaded up, it says, And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on his son Isaac. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife, the instrument that would put his son to death. And like a knife piercing his heart, Isaac asked him, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. Behold the fire and the wood. But where's the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham, probably not looking at his son, but looking away, answered, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went away both together. Abraham knew somehow, some way, God had to fulfill his promise. God does not go back on his word. Abraham had seen God provide for Isaac, even though they both were nearly dead. Sarah, 90, he 100. Abraham had seen God protect 
he and Sarah throughout the 40 years of wandering in strange lands. And God had never gone back on his word. And Abraham knew somehow, some way, God is going to provide. Hebrews chapter 11 says, By faith Abraham was willing to offer up his son Isaac. And he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, Through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. Abraham knew, even if I kill him, somehow the promise will come to pass, even if God must raise him from the dead. Abraham knew God would be faithful to his word. And when you learn of the character of God, when you take steps of obedience of following God, you'll see him faithful to his word each time. And your faith and trust in him like a muscle continues to grow and grow and grow. You know, I remember learning a great lesson of trust and faith. I went to an indoor rock climbing place once in Texas. And, you know, the guy climbing, your life is in the hands of the guy that's on the ground holding the rope, right? Because if you slip and fall or anything, he's got to hold you. And I remember looking at that rock wall and it went up 40 feet, okay, four stories. And the guy, after giving us the instruction, looked at me and said, all right, he said, Pat, which one do you want? And I said, well, since I'm fresh and not tired, give me the intermediate one, all right? And he said, all right, take on the intermediate one. So the intermediate, the easy one goes straight up like this. The intermediate one kind of leans back. So where you have to start grabbing and, and your feet kind of dangle in the air as you try to get over and, you know, get over the, uh, a few of those. Well, I went up and I just attacked that thing, you know, and I went up and of course started hanging almost upside down, got around again, almost upside down, got around, finally got to the top and touched the roof. And then here I am hanging backwards like this, thinking to myself, how do I get down? It never dawned on me. You can't just spider down. And so I turned around and I said, hey, how do I get down? And they said, let go. Let go and just hang in the air. And the guy holding the rope will bring you down. And I said, what? He said, let go. And I'm hanging and I said, who's got my rope? And I hear this voice going, I do. And I looked behind me and I said, it's an eighth grade boy <laughs> named Barry. He's holding on to the rope and smiling at me, saying, I gotcha. And I looked and I was clinging on and I said, get someone else. <laughs> hey, someone else help this boy. And he said, no, no, I got you, man. I got you. Let go. And I was hanging on over there. I said, hey, somebody get next to this boy. <laughs> Barry just held on. He's smiling at me. He goes, Dad, just let go. And my hands were getting tired, and I knew the only way coming down is I gotta let go. And my life is in this eighth grade boy's hand. <laughs> and so I took a deep breath, and I finally let go. And I swung out, nothing between me and the ground, and I thought I'm gonna go four stories down. I better get ready, I'm gonna break both legs. But as I let go, my final right hand, I swung to the middle opened my eyes, I was slowly coming down as he was releasing. I slowly, slowly coming down till I finally hit the ground. And I looked over at him and said, I told you, I got you, man. 
So, you know, I learned to trust that eighth grade boy right there. And he said, hey, do it again. So I went up again, and this time, it was a lot easier to let go, because I had built my trust in him. I saw that he could do it. And then when I came down, I said, you know what, let's do the advanced. And we could go and tackle harder and harder and greater obstacles and conquer greater mountains because I had now learned to trust in my partner there. And that's the same way with God. As you learn to take steps of obedience, maybe small ones at first, you learn He's faithful, He's trustworthy. And you know what? You can trust Him for greater and greater things. And as you do, you, you conquer greater and greater mountains. And you see Him move in your life in greater and greater ways. And that's what makes the Christian life so exciting. To trust God and then see Him come through in great and exciting ways. You know, a lot of guys you know, ask me, how come you don't quit your job? It's such a life of faith. Not knowing where your next paycheck is coming and, and all that stuff. Oh man, because man, you put it on the line and you see God come through again and again and again. It's just an incredible life. That's what Abraham did. He put it all on the line to see if God was going to come through. He knew he could trust God after all those years of taking steps with him. One of the life applications I teach people is to keep a spiritual journal. You know, reflect on your life this afternoon. Think about all the times you trusted God and all the times He came through. Talk about it with your kids. Talk about it with your wife tonight. Write it down. Reflect on it. Think about it. You'll be surprised how often you trusted God and how He never, ever let you down. Well, the final lesson we learn is this. When we obey, God moves in our lives. When we obey, God moves. That's what Abraham learned. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering, laid it on his son, and he took the knife, he took that fire and the knife, and so they both went together. And Isaac said to Abraham, my father, he said, here I am, my son. And he said, behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, God will provide himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. So they went off together. When they came to the place which God had told him, Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, he said, here I am, Lord. And he said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham named this place Jehovah-Jireh, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. Abraham comes to the very moment where he is to stab the knife into his son and God stops Abraham. And God says to Abraham, Now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. 
To fear God means to respect Him as Lord and to trust Him no matter what. And the story defines what it means to be a man who fears God. It is a man who is obedient and does not hold back anything, even what is most precious when God commands it, and commits to God even his very future, which God himself has promised. A true follower of Christ holds nothing back from God, but obeys, trusting that God will be faithful to his promises. God provides a sacrifice, a ram, surprisingly, caught in the thicket. And Abraham names the place Jehovah Jireh, the Lord provides. And the greatness of Abraham's faith is seen in his willingness to sacrifice all that he had to God. And his son Isaac, who had everything to live for, but chose to follow in the footsteps of his father. And you know, Abraham's example of faithfulness and trust and obedience to God was a tremendous, incredible example for Isaac. And Isaac, that was the greatest legacy Abraham left for Isaac, who would follow in Abraham's footsteps. You know, there's another story of a father who gave of his only son. And this time, the knife wasn't held back. But the father had to let it go in. The Bible says, For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only begotten Son, that whosoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. A few centuries later, God's Son came. And God knew that his Son would have to die for your sins and my sins upon the cross. And this time when Jesus shouted from the cross, My Father, my Father, where have you gone? Why have you left me? This time, the Father had to let the knife come down, and he could not hold back as the knife pierced the heart of his Son. God gave everything that he had that you and I could have everlasting, eternal life. God stopped Abraham from plunging the sword into his son, but when it came to his own son, God was willing to give everything he had to rescue you and I from everlasting punishment and to bring us everlasting life. You know, fathers, mothers, the greatest thing you will ever give your son or daughter is a legacy of a life of obedience and faith and trust in God. What will your daughter or son say of you on that day when they lay you to rest? What will be the greatest legacy they leave behind? As you heard in the testimonies here, even this morning, no one came up here and said, wow, I appreciate my dad because he, he has so much money. He gives me all kinds of toys and gadgets. I'd love my dad because he gave me an iPhone. Man, the bed, no. It was all about character, right? It's all about who he is. And that's the greatest legacy you'll leave behind. That's what Abraham left to his son, Isaac. Isaac never forgot that, and Isaac walked with the Lord and passed that on to his sons. And that will be the greatest legacy, fathers, that you shall leave behind to your sons and daughters. And it's not too late. Maybe you're sitting here saying, you know what, I, I, didn't, I haven't been walking with God. 
And if my, my son's a grown man now. My, my daughter's a grown woman. Hey, it's never too late. As Charles Stanley, great preacher, said, it's not how you begin the race. It's how you finish the race. It's never too late to get your life right with God and to walk with Him and leave that legacy behind. Because it's not how you begin the race. It's not how many times you fall down running the race. It's how you finish. My challenge to the men, fathers, grandfathers, and future fathers today is that I hope someday you and I will be known as men who dare to obey God in radical and courageous ways. This will be the greatest legacy that you shall leave behind for your children and their children. A father's greatest legacy is to leave behind his testimony of a life of faith and obedience to Jesus Christ. Because you see, Christianity is always more caught than taught. Isaac saw that in his father. Will your children see that in you? God wants to work in wonderful and powerful ways in, in your life and in the life of your family and in the life of this church. But that will only happen if we, like Abraham, are willing to obey and follow him with all our heart, not holding back even what is most precious to us. May that be the legacy we all leave behind. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the life of your servant Abraham, the tremendous an incredible example that he sets for us. May we be found faithful to the call. May we leave a legacy of faith and obedience and of courage to follow you, no matter what the cost may be. May that be the memory that our children have of us when they lay us to rest. May that be the challenge every father and future father takes this day. In Jesus' name, amen. This concludes Pat's message from Genesis chapter 22. I hope you were inspired by the life of Abraham and gained valuable insights from his example. If you missed any part of this message, log on at evidenceandanswers.org and you can listen to the entire study and enjoy other great resources right there on the site. Pat's ministry relies on the generous donations from you, our listeners. If you've been blessed by Pat's teaching, please support him in prayer and with a financial gift by logging on at evidenceandanswers.org. Evidence and Answers Radio Show is a ministry of the Pacific Apologetics Center. Join us again next week as Pat and his friends continue to provide reasons for faith and hope in Jesus Christ right here on Evidence and Answers. Oh, 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 oh.